Welcome to The Freelancer's Friend, episode 15. Whenever we've got any sort of situation, anything we're getting worked up about, basically we've got three solutions. We can, we can change the situation, we can change our perspective of the situation, and we can change our reaction to the situation. If you want to enjoy a thriving freelance business, then learning from those with the knowledge and experience is invaluable. Our guest this time is author, speaker, podcaster and coach, and founder of Business Enjoyment, Andrew Miller. And in this episode, we chat about some of the common things that stop people from enjoying their business, success in your business if you don't enjoy your work, steps you can take to deal with situations that prevent you from enjoying your business, and more about enjoying your work and life. So let's get on with it. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Victor. Thank you for having me on. And uh, where are you calling from? Uh, Wakefield, uh, not too far from Leeds, um, so not ah. too far from you, I don't think. No, just a bit further up north from me. A bit <laughs> unusual for me to have a UK guest. Uh, so far, the last few have been either in the States. The last one was from Israel. Uh, so anyway, you're a an award-winning business coach, an author of multiple books, a podcaster hosting the podcast The Tingle Zone, and an international speaker. <clears throat> Uh, your business is called Business Enjoyment, and you aim to change a person's measure of success, helping them to enjoy their business so much that it makes their bits tingle, as it says on your LinkedIn profile. That's right. <laughs> so what, what made you want to help people to enjoy their mm. business more? Well, I mean, just the, the one little tweak from that is it's... Um, as well as each individual, I actually want to change the whole sort of um, fabrics of society's measure of success because we, right. as a society, we tend to measure success about how much money we make. And uh, and just to be clear, I don't have an issue with money; that's not a problem. But it's just mm -hmm. it's that focus purely on that that um, ends up causing the problems. And um, it stemmed from the fact that in my corporate career, I uh, I used to be an accountant. Hooray! Um, but even more uh, specific type of an accountant, I used to be an insolvency practitioner. So when companies went into receivership, companies went into administration, went bust, uh, my job was to uh, take control of that company, uh, run the business, uh, ideally to uh, keep it going, sell it on, keep save all the jobs would be the best thing to do. And uh, did that for the best part of 16, 17 years. And um, worked, basically my job was running businesses of all types and all sorts of uh, shapes and sizes. Uh, ultimately got to realize I wasn't actually enjoying what I was doing and um, and as I explored where I wanted to go what I wanted to do uh, kept speaking to other people in uh, in in work and realized nobody seemed to really enjoy what they were doing it was just like you, you do a job because you kind of have to and uh, and when I first sort of stepped out of um, out of that environment and started moving down the coaching space um, I had a very specific niche which was helping the business owners going through insolvency uh, deal with the emotional stress that's uh, um, it can be caused by because it. it's it's when you've built something up of your own um, watching it collapse in front of you is it's, it's like, lo like losing a child it's it's very traumatic and there's not really any um, emotional support for these people so I was bringing that different element in and um, and then over time um, I was obviously working with other people in other situations all contexts all sorts of business owners from small to large and what I tended to notice was that it didn't really matter what the level of success was. Um, I kept meeting people who weren't really enjoying what they were doing. 
I mean, they loved the thing at the centre of it, but but they were still getting stressed and worked out. Now, the people have just lost their business. I can understand why they're a, bit, a little bit out of sorts. But when you're talking to someone that's got millions in the bank and has got his life all set in front of him and he knows what he's doing, being treated for stress, anxiety and depression, you think, hang on a sec, something that had a kill to it. And, um, you know, so having come from that, you know, work, that work environment, where I, which I left because I wasn't enjoying it, and then in jumping into and, and, and watching people, you can set up a business, you can lose it, you can sort of... You know, obviously the stress that comes with that and then even when things are working well things aren't working right then surely something's out of kilter and that's where the concept of business enjoyment came from and um you know you need to have enough money to cover the bills for sure uh, that's an absolute certainty but um above that our focus should be enjoying what we do um and uh, and again at the heart of it should be something that we're passionate about but also all the bits beyond that all the things like the trials and tribulations and the uh, the challenges we come across in our own heads and, and so on and so forth. We've got to sort of work our way through that and get to a point where we're actually thoroughly enjoying what we do. Um, so much, as I say, makes mm. your bits tingle. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, of course, uh, stress. And uh, there are a lot of uh, kind of things that people recognize. But what are some of the common things that you've found that stop people from enjoying their business? It's usually stuff in our own heads, uh, which ultimately I, I have a sort of general uh, principle that most people sort of know what they need to do or should be doing. And, um, uh, and and there's always stuff to learn for sure and strategies we can pick up. But I think most people kind of know what they're meant to do, but it's it's something inside of us that stops it doing it. And I think um, most of us are caught by one of uh, three main issues uh, that sort of um, causes problems and there can be balances but um, but as a general rule we've either got some sort of underlying fear that um, we, we we're not going to have enough or we'll never have enough um, we'll never be enough um, uh, or we're never going to be accepted and um, so, you know, we're going through that sort of got to make more money, got to make more money, never going to have enough, never going to have enough. The more I've got, the more I've got. I'm still going to need more to just in case I lose it all. And the more I have, the more I might lose. And it just becomes this perpetual cycle. Um, never being enough is the sort of um, inner value sense. And, you know, throughout our educational period, it's always been a case of uh, our, our self-worth is dictated by an external exam. So our, our output is a measure of our self-worth. So when we, as a freelancer or anything like that, we're producing work, our internal sense of value is based on the quality of the work. So then we get into that perfectionism sort of level, um, imposter syndrome level, um, because we're, we're always pushing, trying to be enough um, or not being accepted, some sort of fear of rejection in some way, shape or form, um, whether that be... Um, uh, yes, straight rejection or some some interpretation of that, and all of these sort of things can uh, are generally the things that a get us going, get us moving in the right direction, but also cause us pain as we go go along. Okay, and is there a kind of overall approach that you have to these? Well, those three things in particular. Let's say the first one. Is there an overarching kind of initial approach to somebody who's uh, suffering from any of those three? Yeah, and I think you've got to sort of look at the individual, see what's going on. Um, and it's a, I'm, I'm trained in various therapies and things like that. So there's certain things we can do and come back and work out what the um, what the underlying issues come from. There's normally some some issue, uh, some uh, something in childhood, something our parents said, something happened at school, whatever it might be, that can obviously have a, some sort of triggering response. 
we can do to work, work things around that or um or it's just a case of trying to work out create different paths and different belief systems going forwards um so that we um take some of the fear away from it so not having enough one of those sort of things in that situation it's like well we we just getting a sense of uh perspective um in terms of what we do have so it, having again work with people who have lost everything one thing that they all learned as they went through that process is that yeah it's not something you're going to put on the top of your to-do list but it's okay you can survive it and with this certainly living in the country we live in where we've got lots of support for people in those situations again not the ideal situation but um but we 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 can get through it and the real thing that counts is uh, it's not necessarily what we have, it's what's in our head, it's what we can do with our hands, what we can do with our mouth. It's that we've still got those skills. So it's separating um, the sort of the physical entities we've got around us as to what's inside and the skills and the resources we've got. So, uh, you know, if anybody's listening to this has had the skills and the ability to get to the point where they are to, to set up some sort of business, whatever that looks like, they've got that resource again. They've always got that ability and this time they're going to be wiser. So there's, there's very little, little financially speaking that you can get to where you're not going to be able to come back and recover from it. Um, so that's one aspect on that front. Um, uh, in terms of not being enough, again, it depends on the specific flavor of which uh, it's going on. But I think there's a lot of certainly in the, the creative industry, the sort of uh, the, 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 the value of the work. And then it's just trying to get some context around what the um what good looks like um and get away with affections and, and um one of the things i'm always reminded of is i think it was um grayson perry and he was talking about um art and how imperfection in art is the thing that makes art um no artist creative is can create anything perfect because if every artist was perfect, we'd all be looking at photographs. And and that's not what we want. It's the imperfections that give us the skills, like the diamonds, it's the imperfections, the flaws that gives it the beauty. So it's getting away from, trying to get people away from that sort of a, a perfection element. Um, and then um, fear of being rejected. Um, it's it's i mean that was one of the things i i, I discovered when i stepped into the business environment i suddenly realized that was one of my major issues um it got to the point where i couldn't even pick the phone up and ring somebody that wasn't expecting my call because i thought i'd interrupt them and interrupting would annoy them and then when i annoyed them then they'd get angry at me and then i'd feel rejected and it just played in my head um and again, there's no easy answer to any of these things. You've got to work through some stuff. I did things where I had to kind of force myself to be rejected to get used to it, kind of that kind of thing and that sort of stuff. But um, but we do have to find that space because to be, you know, to, to push forward in business, you've got to find the people you want to work with. You find the people that get you, like you and all the rest of it. And by its very nature, that means that there will be some people that don't want to work with you, don't like your stuff, um, don't accept your prices, whatever it is. So it's actually getting to that stage of switching it around and wanting to be rejected because if one person doesn't like you, then there must be somebody that does. So if you can turn these negatives into a positive, then you're, 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 you're making a good shift into, into the way forward. Yeah. And getting rejected, I've found is a good way of getting used to uh, rejection. You've got to get balance it out and get it in the right context because otherwise, if you're just taking it 
um, loading it on, then obviously it becomes soul destroying. But if you can turn it into a bit of a game or a bit of fun, I mean, you've got lots of books like Go for No, those sort of things, which sort of spin it on its head. Um, and um, uh, yeah, have, 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 and, and having permission is a great thing as well. Um, right, having permission. I, what I used to do this exercise that is to say in terms of trying to trying to be rejected in many ways um, I, I was tasked with one of the coach that I was working with to, um, to 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 interrupt people which is my fear and, and, and risk rejection um, so I would just use that as as my intro so I'd go up to two or three people who were in a tight huddle the worst thing possible to barge in terms of two three people having a private conversation and just walk straight up to them and say I've got an exercise on at the moment. One of my biggest fears is getting is pissing people off by interrupting them. <laughs> so I'm interrupting you, <laughs> and, right. they, and instantly it would break it, and people and we'd start chatting. Um, oh, so you you had something to say after that then, or would you just walk away after that? Oh, well, you, you take it where it was, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't have a. I didn't necessarily have a script after that, and and it's one of those things when you're in that sort of state normally. Again, everybody's got their own point where they have the issue, but for me, it was that initial. Um, step so i'd already done the work to work out like with the phone is it breaking it down into all the different steps and where is that point where it where it hits right. and for me it was before the actual contact once contact was made i was okay talking with people um so i wasn't so worried about that it's just getting through the door to have the initial conversation so it was just giving myself permission or an excuse to ha have that open conversation and then once you're in a conversation it was fine hmm. uh, do you think it's possible for someone to make success of their business, even if they don't, they don't really enjoy the work that, that they're oh, doing. Oh, totally, and that's part of the problem. Um, you get some very, very successful people, and it does seem to be the ones that are super successful are the ones that have got this fear of not having enough. Um, you look at some, there was a program on recently with Kathy Burke was looking at money, and she looked at the rich in one episode, look at the poor in another one. If you've not seen it, it's on Channel 4, I'm pretty sure it is. More 4, um, being streamed. Recommend that, looking that up. And she's interviewing one person who's, uh, I think it's Caravan, it's Caravan Parks he ran. Uh, he's a well-known person. And uh, multi-millionaire, massive house, massive cars, all this sort of thing, usual sort of stuff. And he's still working every hour God sends, then let anything go, just keeps going, 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 putting himself in distress. Um, because he then he's he's petrified of losing it all. Um, and anybody with any basic financial management, and he could find somebody if he doesn't know it, can easily set it up so he would never have to work a day in his life again and still live a, 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 a comfortable life. Um, so there's no need for that fear. And yet it's driven by it. So, so this definition of success, he's successful because he's made lots of money. Philip Green's another example he writes about in his autobiography that he, he's driven by his fear of losing everything. So you have to keep going and going and going and, and never get to a point where it's going to be enough. Super successful by all tick box definitions. Um, are they happy? No. Why not? Because it's the wrong measure. <laughs> so you can be successful, but that doesn't mean you can enjoy the journey or enjoy mm. what you're doing. So should, should somebody continue doing what they're doing if they're not enjoying it? Or should you, like you say, just um, first have a look at exactly what it is that's making you not enjoy your work? Well, if, if you're a freelancer, 
if you've got you running your own business where you are in total control of everything you do, you're in control of who you work with, you're in control of the prices you run, you're in control of the work you do, you control of your day, you control of everything, and you're not enjoying what's going on, then it's into your control to be able to change something. Mm. So mm -hmm. you've got to be looking at something and saying, well, hang on a sec, where are the problems? What can I do something about, about it? Why am I getting stressed in this situation? Why am I working with the sort of clients that are winding me up, that are demanding me and taking my time away? Oh, that's because at some point in the past, I said yes to that client and, and did everything that, I, that they asked me to do without qualifying. That's because I didn't want to upset them. I didn't want to get rejection, so on and so forth. So suddenly, you work, if, you, if you're not putting those boundaries in place, you're not being clear about what you want because you're scared of upsetting somebody, then you're, sort of, you're working with loads of people for, the wrong, for, for not enough money, you don't have any time management in your place, and suddenly you're stressed and you're not having any great work-life balance, etc., etc. So you need to work back to start with what the problem is and work back and try and break down to see what it is that's causing the issue. Um, but it's into your control to yeah. do something about it. Okay, so you mentioned um, clients themselves being the cause of uh, stress and such for the freelancer. And uh, if we can use just maybe one example and see how you would approach it, uh, if, cause some free, is this a real answer. example for you or a real example of someone else? It's uh, it's an example I've just made up, but it's something <laughs> that, I, that I know that happens. <laughs> but it's <laughs> but it's just basically when uh, uh, freelancers can get stressed out by uh, difficult clients when they don't know they don't know how to say no to the client and they don't know how to stand up to a client, for example. That's uh, one possible scenario. Um, how would you go about fixing that? So, so to make it more real. Hmm? So make it a bit more real, a bit more detail on it. So get the make it a bit more real. Yeah. Um, say uh, there's a client who doesn't want to pay you; they refuse to pay you, for example. Uh, you didn't uh, ask for any upfront money. You kind of trusted them for some reason but as the project went on they became more difficult and now they're refusing to pay because they don't think the value of the work that you've provided for them is good enough mm. that's not exactly a client saying no but um but uh, mm, no, no there's a common issue so with anything like that we've always got two situations we've got the actual situation going on now and then we've got what do we do in the future? And very often it's very hard to backtrack on something that we've already built, got into, if we got into a problem with some of that, that client. It's a very different process than if we, we do things going forward. And uh, I mean, we'd have to go in the specifics. We could down, go down the whole discussion about how you negotiate with somebody to get paid. And you can go down the legal route. You can go down the uh, uh, a discussion route and it will be specific to the individual case. But there'll be more value in making sure you learn from it to put the things in place up front so that never happens again um, so even if you never get paid by this client then that's that's the that's the price for for the training course that you've just had called learning how to <laughs> not yeah. to get stung again if you know what i mean you can put it down mm -hmm. to that um but One thing that people tend, you know, as, well, the longer you are in business, 
the more you start getting the hints and getting start getting to understand, yeah, I can sort of feel I can trust this person or not. And what we tend to do is not trust our intuition and um, and not listen to it. So sometimes we get that little gut, gut feeling. It's like something's not quite right here. And we just sort of like, oh, I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. And then, of course, we end up in this situation. Um, <clears throat> so... Um, First of all, so we should, if we're getting those little niggles, we should certainly paying attention to that and putting some uh, things in place to, to make sure that we're covered. And you've already alluded to some of the simple things. You know, you, you, this, is, this is exactly my point I was talking about. You knew exactly what, what to do because you actually mentioned it in the thing. You just make sure you get paid up front for, for certain things. You can third, a third, a third, however you want to do it. Um, that's one way of reversing the risk kind of thing but we don't do it because we mm. feel like maybe upsetting them or they won't be happy or they'll go away or whatever it might be i suppose you're about to say it's more about your reaction to things and uh, and being prepared like you say if you asked for the money up front already then that wouldn't be a problem anyway but as a as a i'm, I'm assuming most of your listeners are sort of in the creative space to a certain extent but uh, in, in that sort of area but um as a creative it's you 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 so you dictate your business so this is how i work so determine a process that you're happy with this is how i work with everybody with everyone i work with I, I i have an initial conversation understand they're pretty brief we get to agree what we're going to do then it's a, a third a third a third or whatever the case may be and you you if you, you can create the process without having that client in front so you're not emotionally connected to that thing what is a sensible process that i could run with and then that becomes your process and everybody comes in and you say, well, this is how I work. This is the way I do it. And if you want to work with me, you've seen my stuff, you like it. Let's discuss something. But these are the terms of working. It's going to cost this much. Um, this is the payment profile. This is how many sort of alterations you're going to get or whatever it might be. You know, it's part of a package. If you want to do something differently, that's OK. We can look at that, but it's going to be a different cost profile. So if you want to have me to give you as an infinite number of design ideas and as many changes as you want, that's absolutely not a problem. It's going to cost more, though. So you, you, one of the things we in that selling conversation, that initial negotiation stage, we're always worried about people saying no um, or, or getting that rejection of us or whatever it might be. So it's a lot easier to give them some choices and options because then you're always getting them to make a decision as to what they want to do. Um, it's like, well, you, as I say, it's like, well, okay, we can run with this. This is a nice situation. It's not going to cost you that much money, but you've got to do more work through to this option here where I do loads of work, but you pay for it, which would be rather have. Okay. So in this example, it's uh, about being partly about being prepared and partly about learning from your mistakes as you go. Absolutely. Because I mean, the, the, the whole business journey for me is actually a, a journey of self discovery and we're not going to go into business being perfect. <laughs> We're not going to get it right at the start. Um, everything that goes wrong is just one of those things that's going to happen. But we can pick that. We can put that into our bank of excellent. I've learned something from here. It might have cost me something. It might have cost me time. It might have cost me money. But that's you'd have get that in a training course, as I say. Let's bank that. Roll that forward. And now I've learned that. And I can improve on it and get better and better and better. As we know more about ourselves and what, how we tick, and we know more about the processes and how they work, and thus we get more into flow and um, alignment with uh, what we're actually doing. Until we're not worried about what people are going to think, because to be honest, the pain and the agony of having somebody come in that 
argues you argues with you every step of the way, challenges every decision you make when you're the expert, and then refuses to pay for your services, compared with a little bit of a difficult conversation where you actually make it difficult for them to come and work for you, so you put the pressure yeah. on them. Uh, it's worth learning, you know. I'd, mm. I'd, I'd rather say no to someone and not work with somebody mm. than have a pain in the proverbial. Of course. So, just to have, before I carry on, uh, I've seen that you're a practitioner of quote revolutionary new therapies that that tackle deep-seated beliefs and emotional attachments. What do you mean by therapies? Um, so I've got, uh, there's a couple that I use. Um, one is, uh, is quite a specific uh, version, which is, it's only a, a few people use it, and it's called subconscious surgery, which is essentially a sort of combination of kinesiology and tapping would be a best way of explaining kinesiology. it. Kinesiology. Kinesiology. So, um, it, it, um, using how your muscles react to statements that you make it's a very simple level you hold your arm out you press on your arm and um if you're feeling strong and solid and stable then it, your arm stays stable and uh, if you're lying oh, or whatever it goes weak and it goes relaxed a very simple form you can actually do it through energy over distance but at a very basic level that so if i was to say um you know my name is andrew nice and strong i'd feel true my arm would be nice and strong if i said my name was goofy my arm would go down if we're talking about our uh, fears and our beliefs and those kind of things so if i want to if i had my fear of rejection and i said oh i'm totally confident in picking the phone up and t speaking to a complete stranger boom my arm would go weak because i'm lying uh, and so by doing a lot of delineation, you can drill down to find out what the real core belief is beneath. Um, and then um, by understanding what that belief is, we, we create a, a, a sentences which the body is reacting to that makes us weak. Um, but swing it around and introduce a positive flow, which you do by through the tapping, not a full. There's this thing called EFT, which uses body taps all over the place. This is literally just tapping on the eyes. Um, but it basically introduces a positive flow into the, it's one of the acupressure points and it creates a positive um, uh, um, sensations in the body. So when you, when you, if you've got your synapse, your, your mental pathway, which is uh, attuned to a, a negative phrase and it can turn it into a positive, you can rebuild the strength and change your beliefs. Um, that's one thing. And then I'm also a practitioner of something called integral eye movement therapy. Um, some people might have heard of EMDR, which is eye movement something. It's slightly different to that, but it still uses eye movements. But um, when when we are young, children, whatever, and um, something happens, let's say, um, let's say, okay, so I'll give a personal example. Uh, as a four year, five year old child, I wanted my dad's attention. I was running up to him saying, dad, 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 putting on the proverbial coattails. And um, he was talking, I was annoying, so he turned around and shouts at me. I feel shame, I feel rejection, I feel whatever it is. So a specific situation, my um, limbic system, my hippocampus and the amygdala are all linked together and that will attach that memory to that feeling. Later on in life, I want to pick the phone up uh, and ring somebody and somewhere along the line I've made an association between those two things so I'm now the equivalent of me picking that phone up is actually my four-year-old self getting mm. shouted at by my dad that's what I'm scared of you've been programmed or hypnotized 
Effectively, yeah. And what the eye movement does is it breaks the connection between those emotions. So, so, so. Okay. Um, in the modern day life, when I'm when I'm an adult, I'll see something. It'll flash back to it. Uh, it'll flick through the memory catalog. Seen something like this before when I was younger. Here's the memory that's attached. Uh, the the emotion that's attached to it. Let's bring that emotion forward and feel that now. The eye movement therapy breaks that connection, so you don't feel it so much now. Um, and that way, you can take stressful situations now and reprogram the brain so we can then sit in that state and not uh, not worry about it quite so much and no doubt you include all this kind of stuff if, if it's needed for a particular person under your coaching programs well yeah well this is it i mean i'm i um i kind of don't really I mean, business enjoyment is my brand um I, i'm a coach yes am i a mentor yes am i a consultant yes am i a therapist yes i'm bits of all things these are just tools so for me, it's who's the individual, what's the individual situation and what's their individual desires and all the rest of it. And I will bring out whatever tools I've got that's necessary. So I don't just like, this is what I use every single time for this. No, no. Some people don't react well to the eye movement, not badly, but I mean, in terms of it just doesn't work for them. Um, sometimes I've got other things I can go back through the, uh, get them to revisit the younger selves and that kind of thing. So I've got lots of different things that I'll try, but it's all about ultimately in, um, uh, well, actually, I'll, I'll, you, you sort of touched on something early on. Whenever we've got any sort of situation, anything we're getting worked up about, basically we've got three solutions. We can we can change the situation, we can change our perspective of the situation, and we can change our reaction to the situation. Um, most solutions think about how can we change the position, the, the situation. So like the example you gave in terms of I'm not being paid, um, changing the situation now is let's get the lawyer involved let's negotiate whatever it is how can we how can we move the physical position um change the perception is let's look at it from a different angle and so if you're getting worked up about it and you're you're getting stressed then you're not going to be able to have a conversation sensibly so let's let's try and look at it from a different way and make you realize that actually you don't need to feel as it's like the, the money side of thing i guess um when you change your perception and realize actually it's all right you know i could lose everything and i'll be fine so if that's the worst that can happen I've got nothing to fear. I can move forward. So I change the perception. And then these therapies have changed the way, as you say, we react to things. So flash, react, flash, react. Oh, let's change that uh, that connection. So a combination of all these things, if we can change one of those, one or more of those things, then we've got more resources available to us to navigate through the, the fun that is life. Above the three things that I've talked about in terms of the um you know they're not being enough they're not having enough they're um, not being rejected and i say these things can actually propel us to, to to move forward like i talk about those successful people it's the thing that drives us but can also create the pain at the same time we can sort those three things out and we can get to a point where we're actually you know um doing pretty well so there's a lot of people in business that it's like i'm all right i am actually working with some bloody good clients i actually uh i am happy with what i do i'm i'm comfortable i'm all right life's good and um i sort of if i was to ask them um you know give yourself a score out of 10 of how much you're enjoying life sort of thing uh, they're, they're usually you know seven out of ten you know and i call it the seven out of ten trap because it's like oh well that's that's good enough you know uh, because we're so programmed to put up with stuff and we're so used to the fours and the fives that suddenly seven out of ten seems blooming good so uh, we'll take that truth is there's more above that there's the eight nine ten and this is where we sort of step onto another level. And for there, it's about, um, and I won't go into too much detail on this podcast, but it's just being aware that now we're moving into the sense of purpose. So if we can start working out what we do, why we do, and who we do it for, 
Um, it's always an external thing. It's always, always, um, you know, those first three things about how can we have a great life and purposes about how can we help someone else have a great life. But it's got to be connected to us. It's got to mean something to us. Um, once we drive into that and know what we do, why we do it, and how it all fin funnels through together, then enjoyment comes as a consequence of that. Uh, and when we find it, it can all connect up and it can tap into the three main uh, thought processing centers of our, our body, the, uh, the head, the heart and the soul, or as I call it, the brain, uh, the tummy and the uh, tummy and the soul, uh, or the yeah. BTS, the bits. So it makes your bits tingle. Okay. That's the... Ah, right. It's all coming together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, ultimately, it's a nice bit of innuendo. Can't know any harm with that. But there is actually a bit of a, 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 a no. more practical sense behind it as well. <laughs> Def definitely. Uh, so there's just one more question, but before that, I'll ask you uh, where we can find out more about you, what you do, how you help. Hmm. So um, if, uh, if you want to know more, what I would suggest is go to my website, which is um, uh, www.businessenjoyment.com. Uh, if you want to know more about the things I've just been talking about, I have written a book around it um, and, uh, and my ethos around money as well. So that book's called More Than Just Money. And, uh, you can, and when you go to my website, you should get a little pop-up and you can get access to a, a free copy of that book. Um, so obviously that means you get to, I get to get your email. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I'm not a spammer, so you do get, I think, four automatic emails. Just And they all, it's all about giving free resources, uh, business cheat mm -hmm. sheet, everything you need to know, know about business on one side of A4, uh, Facebook group I run, my podcast. So it's, not, it's just letting you know about more stuff. Um, but then I will invite you to have a, a chat if you want about the breathing spaces which I run, which are uh, confidential little groups of business owners that um, we, we run online where uh, we run through the business enjoyment model to help people uh, get that success, but, but focus on enjoying the journey at the same time. So they're low cost, light touch, but quite deep and valuable things. So, um, yeah. Uh, so that would be my yeah. suggestion. If, if people want to know more, just do that. And, um, you know, if uh, if you're not interested, that's absolutely fine. You can unsubscribe at any stage, but it uh, it, um, mm. it does give you a bit more information. Definitely. It does sound like useful stuff, definitely. And the final question that I ask every guest is, what's the one most important thing to do or be for freelancing success? Let me think about that. True to yourself. Um, we sometimes have to make sacrifices and discard some of our values in order to make progression. But as long as we know that we are doing it and why we're doing it, um, we can, uh, and that it's for a short time, that's okay. But in general, um, who you are is how you will be successful. And it's when we try and block that off, uh, that we start hitting problems. Excellent. Thanks again for joining us, Andrew. Uh, that's uh, some very useful stuff and very interesting, I think. Thank you very much, Victor. Thank you very much for having me on.